Welcome to the LNS Exchange, a podcast about teaching and learning in the College of Letters and Science at the University of Wisconsin Madison. To kick off another special episode, here's IDC Director Jonathan Klein. This is our second episode of our two part mini series on coaching, where we sit down with coaches from UW Athletics to explore the themes of belonging, community, resilience, and challenge. Our goal is to draw upon their insights and translate key ideas to the classroom. If you missed our last episode, we were joined by John Reeder, Associate Head Coach of the UW Wrestling Team. Coach Reeder helped us reframe struggle as a catalyst for community building and belonging. He even proved his methods by extending us an invitation to climb the Camp Randall stairs with him, student athletes, and staff from the Athletics Department at 6 a.m. on a rainy Wednesday in October. Adversity? Check. Community? Also check. Listen to episode 15 for more from Coach Reader and our lessons learned. This week, Molly Harris, associate producer of the LNS Exchange, talks with Gary White, associate head coach of the UW women's volleyball team. Here's their conversation. I'm Gary White. I'm one of the uh, associate head coaches with the women's volleyball program here at the University of Wisconsin. Been here, man, almost 10 years. I've been a part of the staff with my head coach, Kelly Sheffield, and our other assistants, uh, Brittany Dildine, Anne-Marie Hickey, and then our director of ops, uh, Jessica Williams. We've kind of all been a staff together here on campus for about 10 years. Yeah, thanks for being here. I know um, during that time, Wisconsin Volleyball has had a lot of successes, really strong showing, and I've enjoyed going to some some matches this year. So con- congrats on a good season. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming as well. The Fieldhouse is a rocking place to be in. I mean, when you've got 7,000 people that are in that environment, and uh, this year, another successful year, being able to go to the Final Four, I mean, you don't you don't take those types of opportunities for granted. So yeah. we're super excited, and and now it's the the debrief of the season, getting ready for the next one. So one of the things that we've been interested in and why we're, we're doing this series is to think about coaching as a way of teaching almost. Is that something that resonates with you at all? Massively. So I grew up in a family of teachers, both my mom and dad were high school teachers at, at the time. I actually had my dad as a high school teacher. He was my AP uh, calculus teacher. My sister is actually a, an assistant principal uh, outside the Washington, D.C. area. So my whole family has been in some form of education. My teaching is within a sport and, and the actions and physical a little bit, but there's a heavy part to the mental side to it as well. So it's not as much textbook and that style, but there's a development part to it. There is a learning aspect to it. There's a growth part to it. And while we're touching people's lives in a different way, it is very heavily influenced by the educational system and the style of what we do. I mean, we're constantly evolving as coaches and people. And so we have to adapt our style of how we teach and how we educate and how we develop. So I think there's a strong correlation between education itself and the coaching profession. Would you say that you have a particular coaching philosophy that you bring to your work? I think each coach has their own style. I think that's one of the things we talk about when when we're teaching is you don't want to be too much outside of who you are and, and be true to who you are. So me, I'm very cerebral. I spend a lot of time thinking and there's a positive to that and there's a negative to that. The, the positive is you really look for elements to improve on. You look for things that can help others. The negative is sometimes it takes you a little bit longer to solve the problems you, are, you have at hand. So my philosophy is always to meet players where they are because you're trying to move them forward. So you're trying to help them. So you've got to be able to put yourself in their shoes and find out where are they currently at as they're going through their improvement process. 
I believe coaching to be very relationship based because you're going to, in our sport, you're going to ask people to be very vulnerable with who they are because you're going to be putting them on a stage, like the field house. You are showing what you're capable of in front of an audience, whether that is live or we played in front of 1.6 million people after the Packer Viking game. And so there's a part of it where you're going to stress your body in a certain way and your mind in a certain way, and you've got to be able to be with them in that environment. Yeah. Are those things that you share with players, you know, where you're coming from as a coach and how and why you are doing the things that you're doing? There are definitely times where you you bring in the why. One of the things we talk about is the feedback loop is really important in practice. When someone's working on someone, are you with them in that feedback loop? Are you there with them being like, all right, that's it. Did you feel what you wanted to feel there? But then there's the part of the back end of, of afterwards and, and being able to communicate, hey, you did it. That's exactly what we're wanting. That's how we're wanting to do it. Let's go watch the film so you can see what it looked like before and after. So we want to make sure there's a feedback loop. And that's where a strong relationship is really important. Do you find there are certain strategies that you use, if we're going back to that question of belonging, that help the team as individuals, but then also as a team feel like they they belong in this setting of the volleyball team? Nothing's more important to us in our culture, the culture of a team, a culture of an organization, the culture of a of a group of people. And so we're honest with what that culture is and what that means to be a part of it. We, we believe in working hard. We believe in supporting each other. We believe for striving for excellence, even though it may not come, but you're going to work your, your tail off to try to be in that position. So for us, belonging comes from finding your shared values and, and what are those things that are going to be most important to you. Now, I, I will always caveat, like we get the opportunity to recruit the people that come to be a part of our program. Do they f- believe in the same culture and the values? And when we're going through the recruiting process with individuals, we're emphasizing those things. And how do we handle struggle? How do we handle, hey, we've got 7 a.m. lift. How are you on that morning without your cup of coffee? Or you're, are you on your phone when you walk in? Or are you dialing into each other and to your teammates? So for us, belonging comes from finding the group of people that have the shared values that you want to believe in and that you want to strive for. And to do it where we're at, we're trying to do it at the 1% level. And so there's going to be a lot of that goes into that. And you've constantly having to challenge yourself to be like, all right, I can, I can do this. I can get myself in this environment. Uh, and I've got the support structure around me to have that type of what you were saying with, with belonging, have that type of a sense of self. Our goals, our values are so important to, to team-based stuff because you're trying to have a foundation that you can lean on and say, this is what we're about. This is, this is how we're going to handle it. It's a family. Like, this is what our culture is. This is how we work together. And knowing it's not perfect. And, and that's okay because we're going to keep working to make it a better place. And for us, we've got new players every year. So what we had this year as a culture, we've still got to fight to work to have that again next year as a culture. Mm-hmm. And the year after. And the year after. You know, we've talked a little bit about that achievement at the highest level. How do you help players respond to setbacks? It's an open discussion. Yeah. And we're honest and open about it. One of the things we do with our program, with our team in preseason, we do this thing we call it adversity school. And we go through a 45-minute PowerPoint presentation of things that could get in our way that we don't have control on. And it could be as small as the hotel we're staying at doesn't have a coffee shop and I can't get my caffeine for the day. Or it could be as big as the official made a bad call and it was on set point and we are now down match point. And can I recover from that? So the one part for us is uh, to have adversity when it comes to be able to play it head on and, and to be able to be comfortable in that. 
And for us to know, hey, we're okay in that scenario. We're okay in the chaos. So for us, it's a big part of providing them with the elements to know what things could get in your way, what things have gotten in people's way before. Uh, you know, I brought my iPad for here as we were having the discussion. And one of the things we have for our program, we call, we call it our championship manual. And, and inside of it has things that allow us to know we are operating at a championship level. Not saying that we're going to win championships, but to operate at that level, what things do we need? And one of the sections in there is a part of stories of former players, people that have been in the exact same shoes, the exact same seat that you have been in and the things that they have had to go through. I mean, you think about in our world, like a player who was a starter one year to being a role player the next year or someone coming off the bench, a player who was kind of just coasting through her career and then when it was her time to have the moment of knowing you're not ready right now because you haven't prepared yourself and her take that entire summer to say, no, I'm going to dedicate myself to being as good as I can be. And then her, she's an all American the following year. And so for us, it's to provide them the examples of you're not the only one. There's been others in that. And then providing them with the situation of knowing here's how they work through it and being in that path together. You know, one of the things I noted before I came over was our manual is similar to how some education people use syllabus. Here's what's coming. Here's what is going to be in front of you. And not just the dates of our competitions or the dates of our practices and the time of that, but people who have been successful in this environment, here's what they do. Here's how they go about it. Here's how to help yourself. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That transparency that's coming from you as coaches I can totally see how the stories from people who have just been in your shoes, so they're more like your peers, right? How those stories can really have an impact and make things seem, you know, real and believable and and able to apply to your own life. And I can definitely see how that could could transfer over between athletics and the academic environment. I like those ideas. You know, the experiences they have, while they're slightly different with technology or the way we use information or the way we communicate a little bit kind of adapts with each generation as it goes, but the situations are still there. They're, they're about connecting. They're about working your way through the adversity of the time. The time management isn't going to go away. It's just a different style and a different method. And for us as coaches, we have to constantly evolve. So as a coach, as we're going through a season or going season to season, we're, we're evolving as what does this group need and what moments do they need it? Uh, some are way more tactical. Like how do we beat this opponent? Some are more technical. Like, hey, we just need to be better at this type of serve and we'll be fine by the end. Others, it's a little bit more of collective group. Think. Like we want to be all in it together for each other at the end of the year. Like we want to build that. And it's the composition of the team and the players. So each year is a little bit different because you're trying to pull on those threads of what does this group need when it needs most. And through the whole year, you're putting them in situations to learn that. Like, where are we? What are we trying to do? You know, one of the things some people like is, it, does it get exhausting? And, and you're like, well, there's the fun to it for us that doesn't become exhausting because you're always trying to find what can help these guys. One of the questions we always ask is, what are your goals? So there's a part where it's like, all right, this is your building block. This is your foundation. So we've got a common set there. For us, we ask our athletes, all right, what's your goals for yourself? What's your goals for your team? And if you're going to say, hey, I want to be the best teammate that I can possibly be. All right. Do you operate that way in practice? Is, is that how you handle it? When you come into the gym, are you the first one connecting with people? Are you there to support them when, when they succeed? Are you there when they struggle? Are you the first one to give them a high five? If you're going to say, I want to be the best player in the conference. Okay, great. That's an 
that's an awesome thing out there for you. Now, you've got some control on that and you have some control you don't have. But the part is, are you going about things in a way that allows you to put yourself in that position? Do you come in for extra reps? Do you come in and watch film? Do you analyze the people that are the best at your position and how they go about it and the way they do it? And let's start there so that we can be on the same footing as we have a tough conversation. And for us, it's like, all right, you, this is what you said you wanted to be a part of. And this is what you said you wanted. This is where we're at. And, and my, my job as a coach for us is we have to be honest. We want to be honest with you and know that I'm not going to sugarcoat it because that's not what your goals are. Your goals are you want to know where you're at. You want to know where you're trying to get to. And so we, we want to meet them at where they're at and, and really give them perspective. And asking a lot of questions is really important for us. We ask our athletes all the time different questions of like, how did you feel things went and, and kind of the, the how and the whys and let them talk. And because you want to be able to get a background like, hey, why did we struggle this past match? How was your preparation coming in? How was your sleep? How was your nutrition? Did you feel prepared? Did you feel you had what you needed to do? Did you put in the extra work that you thought you needed to get yourself there? You know yourself and you know what information you need to be successful. Did you go and seek that out or were you waiting for it? And trying to find the balance of where they want to go or where they want to be and then having them the self-actualization to know where they're at. I mean, I look back at my college career. I didn't go to office hours enough. And looking back, I'm like, man, I should have used that as much as possible. I should have used like tutors as much as possible. We should have created groups in our classes for learning. And, and you look back and you're like, all right, now how do I help others in that exact same scenario? Yeah, I really like how you, I mean, I like just the idea of asking the team, what are your goals? Because I do think, you know, on the syllabus, most instructors will have, these are the learning outcomes for the course. But understanding why the students are taking the course, what are their particular goals sort of within that realm, can really help you as an instructor adjust, right, and, and think and modify what you're doing to meet, meet students. And then it also helps with that communication piece. If you know why students are taking the course or what students are hoping to get in the end, that can help you communicate where you're seeing maybe some places where they're falling short and have those difficult conversations. Yeah, yeah. you're looking for disconnects. Where are those disconnects? Yeah. You know, I was in a class in college and one of the things we did is I was a representative for the class. And so there was the class, there was, and I was a student in the class, but I also connected with a professor of every two weeks, I'd go meet with him and say, hey, here's where the class is struggling. Here's where they're, they're really enjoying this assignment. So for our team, we've got leaders, we've got captains and nothing in, is more important than, than the connection between our staff and our captains and our team. And what we've found is when those connections are really far apart, that's where we're seeing things differently and our success lowers dramatically. But when those connections are tight, it allows us to know where we're at and where we're going. And the captains to be like, hey, we, we man, those matches really took a lot out of us. We could use a really lighter day in the gym. Awesome. Like, it's great information. We're on the same page. We can adapt to that. Or if we come out of a match and the staff is like, we we weren't very good, but the team felt like they were good. It's like, all right, there's a disconnect here. We've got to we got to either show it through film or be like, hey, here's why, so that they're on the same page because we're all heading. We want to all head in the same direction. And so for us, it's bridging that gap between the the athlete and the staff, or in education, the student and the leader, the teacher, the professor, the whoever is kind of leading that group. And we were joking when we came in here, like right now we're just finished the season and now we're in the post kind of analysis. Was our travel right? Was our practices right? Was our schedule right? Did we play in the pre-conference help us get ready for conference and then the postseason? 
was our nutrition great? Was our, I mean, sleep right now to me is really important for, for these guys. And was that what in, in the right realm that they needed? Was their mindfulness right? So there's always a constant part to, all right, how do we continue to be better from where we were? How do we continue to use the information we gathered from this group for the next group to kind of continue to grow? Yeah, all of what you've said <laughs> relates to a few things that we've heard coming up on our podcast, things like the growth mindset, right? That it's not just about one exam and then if you did poorly on an exam, that's who you are. But that ability to grow and learn. And then also that idea of what we call formative assessment, where instead of just having a single big high stakes exam at the end of the, at the almost that season, at yep, the end yep. of the semester, um, you know, you can have small checkpoints along the way that can help students grow and learn so that when they do get to a big high stakes exam or a presentation or some other kind of demonstration of their of their learning that they've had those chances along the way to grow and learn you know an exam is just a point in time so one of the things we, we talk about is coming out of a match we, we're a train that's moving forward so the train through the season is always moving forward and we get opportunities to stop that train and see where we're at and those are our competitions and then once that competition is over we're all back on the train and we're all moving forward again and we're not just going to stay at that one point we've got to continue to evolve and move forward so like each exam or paper or mm -hmm. project that you work on is a what I would consider it's a checkpoint. It, it's all right. Where are we at? And to me, the next for, for us is are we getting better or, or are we heading in the right path of where we need to get better for education? It's all right. Has the material that's needed to be learned been learned and mm -hmm. and not just learned, but can that person then apply that information for what's what's to come? And, you know, I look back and I, I talk with my parents a lot about this because my dad's now a college professor and just. How does this evolve in that realm? And one of the things they, they do is they'll have an exam. And then uh, after that, you can resubmit your answers for the questions you got wrong. And you get like a quarter credit back. Mm -hmm. But it's because it's, it's not just about knowing where you're at. But all right, can you still learn that material? And do you go back and you learn and you research it. And then you spend the next 24 hours. All right, I'm going to finish those questions and get the points back, quote unquote. Uh, but it's, it's not just to say you pass failed, but it's it's a continual process. And so there's a circular part to it. It's like, no, let's check back in on the stuff you missed because that's important. We want you to learn that. And for yeah. us, like, all right, why did why were we missing our serve or why were we hitting the ball out of bounds? Because my plan is to not do that next time. And when we get to that next competition to get better to be able to do that. And that's still a component to that next exam or the next checkpoint. So I think all of that kind of plays into there. It is a strong correlation just in a different application yeah. between education and, and athletics. And it sounds like a really a reflective process for both the players and the coaches. And then together, um, you're both engaging in that in that process of thinking back about what you've done, why things happened the way they did, good or bad, and mm -hmm. then responding and thinking about the future together. For us as coaches, I feel like we have to constantly be evolving. We have to constantly be learning. And so one of the things I believe in is I need to learn something new every year. And it, and even if it is not even my sport. And the one is to put myself back in the position of being a learner. I went and joined uh, a fitness gym. Uh, it was a CrossFit gym here in town a couple of years ago. And so now I was putting myself in like, I'm, I feel like I'm in shape. I feel like I exercise. But I wasn't in a way where I was being taught how to exercise in certain ways. And so now I'm putting myself in the exact same shoes that my athletes are in. And knowing, like, I'm trying to do this lift, and I am struggling mightily at it. 
and one at taking the self-awareness to know my athletes lift way more than I do in the gym. And I look at their numbers and our, that comes from our strength coach. And I am like a third of what our kids are doing, but to go through the process of having to learn a skill in the athletic realm. And it allowed me to remind myself of what it's like to go through being a learner, being a student or being an athlete. And to be in that, what I call the struggle bus, where you're just like, I can't get myself out of this. It, it, it's rolling downhill and I can't connect the, the dots here or I'm trying to get my body to do what I want to do. I'm telling myself the right things. I feel like I'm in a good mind place and it's just not happening because it happens to our athletes. And so I believe strongly that as a coach, I have to continue to try to learn new things that can help me remind myself what it's like to be a learner I think mm. it just provides you the perspective of one. Sometimes it's just, it's not easy. It's not like to us, it's easy because we were so used to it. Like, I'm like, why are we not setting the way I'm asking them to set? Like it's, it, it, to my mind, it doesn't make sense. But then I'm like, all right, put myself back in their shoes. And you're trying to change something that they're doing or they've done for, for us for six, seven years. And you're trying to fine tune it and it's not perfect right away. So there's going to be the curve down to curve back up. But I have to be aware of that myself to help them my emotions don't come into it then it doesn't i don't get angry with them i mean i'm excited for them when they get it like that's that's cool i think learning is a really exciting process but to know there there's going to be it's going to take learning takes time and and i'm hoping my job is to shorten the time that it takes to learn something to build on it but there's always going to be a time gap there and and just continue to help them through it that's exciting for them to have that as a role model too to be able to see see their coaches as people that are also growing and learning. And, yeah. and we had to be honest with them as well of telling them like, sometimes we're going to miss, the, we're going to miss the mark, but we're going to analyze why, why did we miss the mark here? I mean, I remember an NCAA tournament where we're walking out of a film session where Kelly and I are like, all right, perfect. We presented the information we wanted. We thought we had it right. All right here's how we're going to do this. We come out of that film session and Brittany, our other assistant goes, uh, you may have just scared the team with the information you just presented. And we're like, wait, what? So we actually brought the team back two hours later. Hey, let's re-talk about this film session and let's let's break it down here. And then they saw it and they're like, oh, this makes way more sense. To have that full circle experience of knowing, hey, we may have missed the mark, even though we our intentions were right, of having the self-awareness like, we're trying to help them. So how do we help them? All right, let's bring them back. Let's let's talk through it and give them the kind of the, what's the three keys you need to know? And they see it, they they love it, they adapt to it and they're like, let's do it, let's go. So for us, it's it's the processes and habits that allow us to pursue excellence. Now, the after show, a conversation with members of the Instructional Design Collaborative the campus community, and you, our listeners, where we surface key ideas, raise questions, and continue the conversation. All right, welcome to the After Show, everyone. I'm here with my colleagues, Jonathan, Laura, and Molly. What did you all think about Gary White and his approach to coaching and teaching? He mentioned adversity school as a thing they do. And I thought that was really an interesting idea, preparing people for when things are going to get hard. And then the other thing he said was their championship manual. He was sharing stories of people who had been on the team before, the struggles that they encountered, and how they dealt with it. I thought both of those things were interesting techniques. Hearing Coach White talk about the feedback cycle, 
reminded me that I want to do a much better job of preparing students to receive feedback. And I think part of that is helping normalize that receiving criticism on your work is something that just doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. And that's okay. But if we have some understanding and some tools to deal with that, it will help us hear some of the most important feedback we'll ever get. I think it's kind of one of these ironic things or maybe a secondary effect of doing inclusive teaching really well, where if you are heard and feel respected and the class is vibing, it feels really good. But it's not always going to feel that way. How do you deal with it as an instructor? How do you respond to it as a student? And I think starting with an expectation of what is this feedback cycle that we're going to use in this community of learners and not just like in a community agreement that we want to respect and hear each other. Because I think with my students, that was universally valued. But what is respect? digging a little bit deeper into the methods and practices that we use to give feedback, especially when it doesn't feel good. I completely agree with that and and also think it's a difficult thing to do well in a classroom, to help students be prepared to receive feedback. I'm connecting that to some things that I, I think I took from what Coach White was saying about athletes kind of, I think, both individually and collectively as a team are kind of setting their goals. So there are things that I think they're probably expecting to get a lot of feedback on. Because I think thinking back to some some of my students, but also my own learning, it's so much easier to get feedback on something when you've already done some of the internal work. I agree, David, that this can be really challenging in a classroom, though, and especially a large classroom. He obviously has a close connection with every player on the team, but I was thinking about in a classroom, that's not always possible. The other example that I really liked was when an athlete was working hard on something and it wasn't going right, but then it did. And then going back and reflecting on that, too. That affirmation is also a form of feedback. Coach White said something about there's nothing more important than the shared culture. And it just made me wonder, you know, what does it mean for the classroom when you have multiple cultures colliding and interacting and being more of a mosaic? I was thinking about that, too. And and there were so many ways in which he was talking about team success and that being tethered to your individual success and vice versa. And that dynamic doesn't always translate to the classroom either. And you you were talking about multiple cultures or multiple motivations. That's where the sports analogy or the team analogy starts to confront a few challenges in in terms of the translation to the classroom. But I, I do still think a lot of those overriding lessons are applicable. One question that this raised for me was whether there's a tension between belonging and inclusion, because it seems like having those shared values is one way that, as Coach White talks about, to create belonging. But if people have different values that may be in conflict with each other, you know, you want to be inclusive of all of those values, but then does that come at the expense of people feeling like they belong and vice versa? If you say, okay, we're going to have these shared values and create this nice sense of belonging, and if you don't share those values, then do you feel excluded? 
That makes me think of Danielle Allen's keynote from the Diversity Forum back in November of 2023. She provided a talk about pluralism. And it has me thinking about the idea that, first of all, in a, in a democracy, you're going to be disappointed sometimes, right? Because intentionally, it is where many ideas come together. But that there should be sort of higher values about how that process unfolds that you agree on. And I'm wondering how much part of the role of an instructor is to lead a class in sort of agreeing on and, and collectively enforcing those things you can agree on that provides space for everything else where you don't have to agree. Thanks once again for tuning in. We hope this special series added value to your professional practice, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about coaching and teaching. You can leave us a voicemail using the Spotify app on your smartphone or leave us a comment on the show notes page of our website. The Exchange is brought to you by LNS Teaching and Learning Administration and is produced by the LNS Instructional Design Collaborative. We record this podcast on the UW-Madison campus in Van Heys Hall, which sits atop a ridge overlooking Lake Mendota. It's a beautiful spot and has a deeper significance because everything that resides here rests atop ancestral Ho-Chunk land, a place their nation has called Dejob since time immemorial. <laughs>